O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him.
Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth, for the courts of the Lord. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising thee. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed, for a day in thy court is better than a thousand elsewhere. The Old Testament lesson for the fourteenth Sunday after Trinity is written in the fourth chapter of Proverbs, beginning at the tenth verse. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. I have taught thee in the way of wisdom. I have led thee in right paths. When thou goest, thy steps shall not be straightened, and when thou runnest, thou shalt not stumble. Take fast hold of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is thy life. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Pass not by it. Turn from it and pass away. For they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away unless they cause some to fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not at what they stumble. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are life unto those that find them, and health to all their flesh. Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the fifth chapter of Galatians, beginning at the sixth verse. Brothers, but I say... Walk by the Spirit, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, that you may not do the things that you desire. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are obvious, which are adultery, sexual immorality, uncleanness, lustfulness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousies, outbursts of anger, rivalries, divisions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, even as I also forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit God's kingdom. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and lusts. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. It is a good thing to give thanks unto the Lord, and to sing praises unto thy name, O Most High, to show forth thy loving kindness in the morning, and thy faithfulness every night. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia. 
praise waiteth for thee, O God, in Zion, and unto thee shall the vow be performed. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Luke, the 17th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. As Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing along the borders of Samaria and Galilee. As he entered into a certain village, ten men who were lepers met him, who stood at a distance. They lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. As they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. He fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus answered, Weren't the ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there none found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Get up and go your way. Your faith has healed you. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week, our lectionary began to teach us on the essential characteristics of the Christian person. And the first essential characteristic we heard about is that a Christian must have Christian love. And this week, we hear about the second essential characteristic, purity. But we need to understand what scriptural purity is. Now, after the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, a problem arises which still persists today, and that is this. How can a fallen, unholy, unclean, perverse people dwell with an almighty, holy, pure God? Because if the unholy, the unclean, tries to stand before that which is holy and clean, that means that the unholy will die. To be impure or unclean means that a person cannot dwell with God. They cannot on their own approach God, which means there is no life. There's only death. Only those who are pure can stand before God and can live. And only those who are pure can stand before God and have eternal life. That's what it means to be unclean and also what it means to be pure. That's why the Old Testament is full of commands. It was showing the Israelite people what it means to be pure and clean in order to stand before God. And it showed those who were impure, those who were not allowed to approach the temple or God. And so that the community of Israel could remain pure and continue to approach God as a community, the Old Testament instructed people how they could purify themselves or it instructed the community how to excommunicate those who were unclean. So murderers and adulterers would be excommunicated by stoning. And for those who were impure for other reasons, let's say for leprosy, they were excommunicated by being forced to live outside the community, outside of their civilization. Since they were physically unclean, that meant they were also spiritually unclean. So they could not go to the temple, they could not stand with the people in the temple, they could not live in the community, they could not approach or stand before God there in the temple. 
They were excommunicated to the leper colonies with a very minute hope that they would recover, but with a much more likely reality that they would die a horrible death from this leprosy. And that's what happened to the ten lepers in today's gospel. Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, enters a village, and from outside the village is met with cries of ten men who are unclean and excommunicated and who have leprosy. A disease of the flesh where the flesh breaks down and decomposes while the person is still living. And here these ten are, crying out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They want mercy because they are unclean, even though they don't want to be unclean. They don't have a choice in the matter. They've inherited this corruption of their flesh, and it goes against their will. And St. Paul touches on this. In the epistle, he says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do, says Paul. Now, the lepers in the gospel suffer from a physical condition and illness. And that represents the spiritual suffering from which we struggle. Because the desire of the lepers is to be clean, but the flesh of the lepers is unclean. The lepers want to live and be a part of their community, but their flesh keeps them from what they are desiring to be. So the desire of their heart is to live, but the corruption of their flesh keeps them in death. Now we Christians, we are those who walk by the Spirit, but yet the loss of the flesh are always hanging around our necks and never leaving us alone. And the Spirit that is in us is completely against our flesh, and our flesh is constantly warring against the Spirit. So that what happens? Well, we desire to do good, but then there's the flesh, which is selfish, gluttonous, it's lazy. The flesh forces us to dredge a long in life and keeps us from living to do good. So that what can we do in this sinful flesh but cry with the lepers, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us? Well, what we said, pray just a bit ago, Lord, have mercy, Christ, have mercy, Lord, have mercy. There are things we want to do that we don't do because of the flesh. There are things that we desire not to do and because of the flesh we do them. So says Paul. But to this plea of mercy, our Lord does not remain silent, but instead tells the lepers, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed on the way. Our Lord had mercy on them, just like they asked. Then he told them what to do based on the Old Testament law. In effect, what he told them to do was, go, as you'll go, I'll cleanse you, I'll purify you as you're on your way. Go and fulfill the Old Testament commandment in showing the priest that you are clean, that you no longer have leprosy, that you can, so that you can rejoin the community. That's the Old Testament law. If you no longer have leprosy, go show yourself to the priest. You can rejoin the community. So Jesus tells them to go to the priest. And so nine of the ten of these lepers, all of the nine Jews, went their way. They do the law, and on their way they were cleansed. And then they went to the priests. Their flesh was healed. It was clean. And they did what Jesus told them to do. They went to the priests. And yet, towards the end of the gospel reading, our Lord condemns them for not returning to praise God. And why is that? Well, 
It's because of this. They thought that by obeying, they made themselves clean. They thought that they were themselves fulfilling the Old Testament. They thought that by their merit, they were clean in their flesh and could stand before God. By obeying Christ's words, they thought they were clean of themselves. So they failed to see who actually made them clean, not just from their leprosy, but also from their sin. They listened to our Lord and thought that they heard a command that they were to fulfill. But what they should have heard was the promise from Christ who would fulfill what he promised. They asked for mercy and he granted them mercy. But they asked for mercy and they thought they got a command and fulfilled it. And in those verses of the epistle that we just heard, Paul said, with the spirit in our flesh at war, that there would be times we desire to do good and because of our flesh we won't. Or there will be times that we desire not to do evil and because of our flesh we will. He's talking about sins of brashness or weakness in the Christian person. But those sins, Paul is showing, they don't stop us from being Christian. They don't take away salvation. Because with those types of sins and brashness or weakness, there is immediate repentance. And there is the Spirit making us pure as we go. The Spirit makes us entirely clean in baptism then keeps our feet clean as we wander off throughout our lives in baptism, as we wander off in those sins of, of weakness or brashness. And we said before that that describes very well the predicament of the lepers before they are cleansed, and that's true. But that doesn't describe the predicament of the lepers after they are cleaned. After they are cleaned, it's something else entirely. After they are cleaned from leprosy, these nine Jews were fine to remain in their sinful flesh. They thought they fulfilled the law themselves in their flesh, so they're fine remaining in their sinful flesh. And this is what St. Paul says about the sinful flesh. He says, Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So that's Paul. And what Paul is saying here is that impurity before God leads to death. Now consider these things which Paul says of the works of the flesh. He says that first the flesh divides each one of us within ourselves, and we see that by the spirit and the flesh warring within us. And by warring with the spirit, the flesh antagonizes God. So the flesh brings us confusion about who we are. It makes us despair within ourselves. And despair by itself can bring death to a person. But then Paul goes on about the works of the flesh. He says they are sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, or lewdness. Notice what that destroys. First, the flesh wants to destroy the person. Now, these works of the flesh can destroy a marriage and a home. And actually, who can build a marriage on sexual immorality? Who can keep a marriage in sexual impurity? Who can build or keep a home in sensuality and lewdness? 
So not only does the sinful flesh kill the person like leprosy kills a leper, but it keeps a person from living as God intended, by chastity in marriage or in singleness, and in building a home. Instead, the flesh kills and destroys the person and the home. But Paul goes on about the works of the flesh. He says they're also idolatry and sorcery. And sorcery, yes, it it means the occult and demonic magic. But the word also itself means drug-induced sorcery. Drugs that can open up a man to demonic influences. And so we see here that the flesh destroys the person and the home and also true religion. It turns man away from God and towards the superstitious. And then Paul goes on. He says the works of the flesh are enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger. In other words, the flesh destroys any unity within mankind. Any unity that can be found in church or community or culture or society. It destroys that unity and then it leads to rivalries, dissensions, divisions, where all unity is killed. Where the flesh is then free to do whatever it lusts for. Once that unity is gone, then the flesh can do whatever it wants. It can envy. It can get into drunkenness or orgies and the like. All the works of the flesh is death. Death of the self. Death of marriage and the home. Death of church and community. Death of all that is good and decent. For those who fall into sin from weakness or brashness, as we said, there is the spirit in baptism to forgive. There is hope. We are all weak. We all sin but the Spirit is there to forgive us. Even for those who in weakness continually fall into sins of addiction or sins that won't go away, there is hope. Because in weakness we repent. Repentance is immediate, and so is the forgiveness. But for those who fall into these works of the flesh that Paul describes, into these sins that are routine, these sins that are habitual, which are deliberate and planned out, These sins which a person allows to rule the flesh. That is falling into impurity. That is falling from the faith. These lepers are like those, these nine lepers at least, are like those who get baptized and then immediately leave the church to do whatever their flesh desires. That is falling away from the kingdom of God. That is... This nine who walk away from our Lord and never return. Even though they're cleansed, clearly they have been cleansed. They then turn around, walk away, and let their flesh rule over the spirit. So that they distrust God. They trust in only the present things. They seek only human aid. And they doubt God's mercy and want that which is against God's will. They don't praise him. They don't love the neighbor. And yet, there is one of the ten who sees he is healed. As he goes on his way, he sees he is healed. And that makes him turn back and fall on his face before Jesus, where he praises our Lord and gives thanks. To which Paul says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now this man, this thankful Samaritan, he was impure. Yes, he was impure from leprosy. But he was also impure from being only a half-Israelite, and he was impure from sin. The Jews saw them as sinners. And so when this Samaritan sees himself cleansed of his leprosy, 
He also sees that he is made pure from all his sin. He sees he's been given a new heart, that the Spirit reigns within him. Now the flesh of the Samaritan was still sinful, and there's no doubt that the flesh of the Samaritan was telling him to do what the Jews did. Don't go back to Jesus, just keep on walking. That was the temptation. But along with that temptation of the flesh, there alongside it was the Spirit, waging war against that temptation, waging war against the flesh, so that the Samaritan, led by the Spirit, walked by the Spirit back to Christ. This was no magic trick. This was no cheap grace. Our Lord took this man's impurity. Our Lord took this man's leprosy. He took his sin. And our Lord took all of that into himself. And having taken all this into himself, our Lord then went to the cross with all that impurity. And this is also what our Lord does for you in baptism. He takes the impurity of your flesh. He takes every sickness, every disease, all the works of the flesh that Paul lists up there, and all the death that comes with it. And our Lord takes it to the cross. And there our Lord takes our sin and becomes sin for us. He becomes impure for us from our sin, and he dies our death. And he does that so that this leper may be made pure, and so that you in the waters can be made pure. And then Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Now, we hear Paul say that, and then notice how the gospel story ends for the Samaritan. The Samaritan is purified, and now that he is purified, he is able to stand before God. The desire of his flesh was to keep walking away from God. But that desire was crucified. Instead, he returns to Jesus and stands before Jesus as one who was made pure by Jesus. And made pure by Jesus, he stands before him as one who is able to dwell with God, as one who now has eternal life in Christ. The Samaritan is pure, and now he lives. And in baptism, you are pure. And now you live. And what do we do now that we live? Well, Paul lists the fruits of the Spirit. The first three, love, joy, and peace. You are made pure. You are reconciled with God. You now have peace with God and peace within yourself. Even as the flesh wars against you, you have peace because there is the Spirit reigning over you. And from that, you have love and joy. And Paul goes on. He says the fruits are patience, kindness, goodness. Fruits which can create and build a marriage, which can build a home in which children, friends, and neighbors can dwell. Paul also says that the fruits of the Spirit are faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Fruits that God uses to build a church, a community, a culture, a society from our homes. Churches and communities in which people can live and receive life. 
Whatever the flesh touches, there is death because the flesh is unclean. It's impure. But whatever the spirit touches with the forgiveness of Christ crucified, there are we made clean. There we are made pure, not by ourselves, but by the spirit by the forgiveness of Christ. And made pure, there is life. Made pure, there is mankind, purified by Christ, dwelling with God. Problem solved by Christ crucified. Again, on our own, we cannot be pure. In Christ, in baptism, by the Spirit, we are made pure. In the Word, we can remain pure. And made pure and living in this purity, May we be ever more determined to stand before God and dwell with him and strive for these fruits of the Spirit with those whom God has placed in our lives. And this morning, may we come together and be united in this sacrament of the altar to strengthen us in this purity so we may produce these fruits in true Christian love. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Oh, I
mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Keep, we beseech you, O Lord, your church with your perpetual mercy. And because the frailty of man without you cannot but fall, keep us ever by your help from all things hurtful, and lead us to all things profitable to our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic, with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, 
show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, Almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, Defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen.